Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Hi, right, John. I think we have an awesome show lined up for today to continue jumpstarting 2018 here, the new year. And uh, speaking of jumpstarting, We'll start with yours, though. Yours yeah. is going to be the five global risk for investors in 2018. That's right. There's a couple of items on here, Steve, that we're looking at for 2018. And you know what? There's there's risk every year, right? Yes. So 2018 is not different in that light. We're going to highlight a couple of areas that um, could cause the markets to um, to uh, stumble a little bit. Obviously, we have no idea which direction it's going to head. But these are some things to think about. It's out of a, a Charles Schwab article, very well written. So we'll kind of dive into that topic. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to look at at the start of the year here. And another thing we're going to look at is how to jumpstart your retirement savings in the new year. Um, you know, it's very important that you make sure you get on track. And now's the time to do that if you haven't already. So we're going to take a look at a lot of items here, like 12 of them, ideas for jumpstarting your retirement savings in the new year. These are very, some of them are very insightful. Mm -hmm. You want to yep. listen to these. These are really good. Yep. And, uh, but by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 22 years' experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, go to our website, moneymd.net. We have all the podcasts listed on there. You can also go back and access the uh, historical podcast. We have over 200 of them. I have some clients that are telling me that they're going yep. back and listening to every single one of them. So agree. we talked to a lot of, you know, about a lot of topics, um, not just investments, but we look at long-term care insurance and college funding and, you know, really whatever financial topic is out there. We, we pretty much covered it by this point, right? We have, including Bitcoin. That's We've right. We did about talk everything. about Bitcoin. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we also have a Facebook page. So we put a prescription of the week out there. We do a video um, that uh, you know a lot of people like and go so go check that out. We, we're big on education here at the the Money Doctor headquarters. Absolutely, a lot of great topics out there. There's, and they're all listed by topic, like you said, so you can find just about anything. Also, we'd love to hear your questions. So email us if you have questions. We'll talk about those on the show. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us there on the website. Well, John, before we jump into the show here, though, I think we got to give a nod out to the dogs, don't we? Yeah, that was a phenomenal game. They had a great season. Very disappointing, I'm sure. It is. I saw some videos online of some Georgia fans that destroyed some doors and walls and things <laughs> yeah, like that. That was um, crazy. Had a tough way to lose. Um, but, uh, man, they had a great season. Hats off to Alabama as well. They're always at the top. Clemson had a great season. This was a rebuilding yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. being a Clemson uh, fan, I know exactly how Alabama feels right. the year before last. Yep. You know, you came so close to take down the the Nick Saban dynasty mm -hmm. and couldn't quite get it done. Yeah. But, you know, they played a great game. They had an incredible season. They really did. A huge surprise yep. season. Just like Clemson, we were surprised we got as far as we did. But, uh, hey, you know, I think we're all getting a little closer, though, all the local teams that yep. taking a nick out of Alabama and making it a lot more competitive. I will say that South Carolina is the only local team that has a one-game winning streak. Oh, yeah, that's we true. We won our bowl. Good point. Right? Yeah. So I'm just, you, you I'm just saying, on, just, you're on a roll, man. just pointing out, you know, that's great it point. may not be obvious, but uh, just wanted yeah, to yeah. throw that in. I wouldn't call it a streak, though. You know, <laughs> streaks are, by hey, definition, they're more than one data we're point. We're trending in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. That's good. All right. 
enough football. We're going to start off the show here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from uh, Time, the magazine. And Steve, is interesting. Uh, there's a gentleman in the um, financial industry. His uh, name is Bill Gross, pretty famous individual, yep. um, bond guy. And um, the uh, uh, November 2012 issue of Time had an article in there, and it was titled, Why Stocks Are Dead, 2012. The famous death of equities <clears throat> the de- repeated again. That's right. So if you look back over the last five years from when that article was written, the S&P 500 closed at about 1,400 in um, November of 2012. It had almost doubled five years later. Just a little off. Just a little bit. You just, know. just like 40 years ago <laughs> when the Time Magazine ran mm-hmm. the headline on their, their – uh, their magazine yep. that said the death, death of, of equities. equities, right? The famous, you know, yeah, I don't know what you'd say, just the the miss yeah. of miss of this of the decade, if right. you will. But there's misses all the time, so there don't are. don't don't make decisions based on these headlines. You got Bill Bill Gross, he's probably worth a couple hundred million dollars. I don't know how much he's worth. He's a smart guy. He has no clue what the markets are going to do. Not a clue. <clears throat> That's exactly right. You never know. You never can call the stock market dead. You never can call it you know, bull market forever either. So you just don't know. You have to diversify. Have a plan. And have a plan and be in it for the long haul. So good financial fact of the week. All right. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the five global risks for investors in the new year. Yeah, Steve, this is uh, written from uh, Charles Schwab. Really good um, discussion. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to look at five um, five risks here globally. And, um, you know, certainly a global recession would be a big risk for stocks. And um, while the global economic cycle is aging, uh, Schwab says they don't see a recession in 2018. And uh, the risk may rise a little bit in 2019. So what are the biggest risks for um, investors in, in 2018? And, um, you know, a lot of time the biggest risks aren't, um, coming out of left field, although they sometimes can, um, but right. sometimes they're right in front of you and, um, you know, you're not really sure if they're going to impact you. So the first one here on the list that we're going to look at and dive into a little bit is, is geopolitics, right? Yeah. There's always political stuff worldwide that could, uh, could definitely affect us. Yeah. And so, you know, we spent a lot of 2017 dismissing the market risk, um, posed by, you know, geopolitics, but the impact it poses may change in 2018. So in 2017, we had the Brexit vote that we were still looking at. And obviously the U.S. election was also on a lot of people's minds, but the acceleration in global growth really outweighed any potential negative impact um, from the trade disputes or any kind of military threats. But, you know, the opposite could happen. I mean, again, we're not saying it's going to happen, but you got to look at some of these and, and the markets have done well for the last two years. And there will likely be at some point a correction, right? Um, sure. Those are pretty normal in the in the process. The reasons are always different. Um, so some of the factors that could certainly impact, um, you know, the the markets is you look at the uh, conflicts in North Korea and Afghanistan. Um, you look at uh, you know the the Russia, um, China, United States provocation. You got elections going on. Um, you got NAFTA and Brexit that's being renegotiated. So there's a lot of things going on internationally that if it goes the wrong way, it could impact the markets. Sure. But those are not new, right? They're those not have been new. around forever, it <clears throat> seems like. And really every year you could start out with this kind of list. Absolutely so. But you're right. Anything can happen if there's a war that breaks out. Something that affects the economy and affects growth would certainly affect the stock market. Sure. So it's got to be pretty big. You know, it can't be just a Brexit vote that we thought might impact the market and didn't at all. So, you know, you just don't know. 
Yeah, I think it was a one-time bill. Like we had a blip there for a week, right, yeah. with Brexit, and yes, it came right. right back. Two so, days, I think. Yeah, So, uh, but that is certainly a risk out there. Another one, though, is uh, chasing returns. You know, consistently predicting what markets will do is hard, if not impossible, but predicting investor behavior, on the other hand, can be surprisingly simple. And without the aid of advice, investors often tend to chase returns. So the rolling five-year return has has closely mirrored investors buying and selling of stocks. Um, And in 2017, the outlook, we pointed out that the turnaround in the five-year return for global stocks is a clear signal of the rebound in net buying of equities that took place last year. And that trend could reverse, but we've definitely seen positive outflows um, or positive inflows Mm -hmm. now into Mm -hmm. stocks. And that could turn around. It kind of follows it. You know, people do add money. That is very predictable. If markets are up, people are going to start adding money, and you see positive inflows right. in markets. But if markets take a blip, then then we could see outflows. And higher interest rates are a possibility of that. If interest rates get get high, then uh, people could start chasing inter- higher interest rates, sure. and you know, CDs and things start competing with the stock market. You could have outflows. But that's probably a really long process. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's it probably not, is. I'm not seeing interest rates getting there in 2018. So I kind of doubt that affects us this year. But we do see people chasing returns. You, can you say Bitcoin? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, you have a small segment that just go crazy. And, you know, I think next week I want to talk a little more about Bitcoin. But because uh, there are some new developments there. But, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, investors do there is the herd mentality is very strong when it comes to investing. Yeah. And it's very strong right now. People are being very, very aggressive because the markets have done well. So you got to be careful in that area. And that really is driven by yourself. Another one here, Steve, another risk for 2018 is the private investment boom. And um, from a surprise perspective, you know, years that have ended in eight recently have um, not been very good to investors. You go back to 1998, the hedge fund long-term capital management applied too much leverage, um, you know, to some of the low spreads in the emerging markets debt, and it resulted in a bailout and a bear, bear market. You know, the markets right. really dropped, and obviously, we don't have to really speak too much of 2008. We all know what happened then. Uh, S&P was off, you know, 37, 38 percent. So, you know, the eights have not been good. So in 2018, um, you know, we may not see a repeat of the curse of the eights um, since it seems the chase for yield really hasn't led to investors focusing on, you know, some of these high leverage activities. But but you never know. Right. Um, That's true. There's something you can't predict in this. But, you know, so where has the chase for yield led us? Yeah, and one place, kind of odd place they point out here is that a few years ago, investors uh, kind of adopt the mantra of Tina as that there is no alternative and they bought, you know, publicly traded stocks. But investors in more recent years, they could kind of be said to have adopted the ANT, A-N-I-N-T acronym, and that is any investment not traded. <laughs> Chasing <laughs> yeah. yield. Chasing yield, right. During the cycle, you know, for the chase of yield, it's caused some investors to increasingly turn toward a kind of exploiting the spread between public and private ac- assets known as liquidity premium. And that's been fueling a boom in private assets that aren't publicly traded, such as private equity, private debt, commercial real estate, REITs, limited partnerships, direct lending, that sort of thing. Of course, you know, those got really burned in 2008, mm-hmm. as you remember, John. And, you know, many people still remember that well. So I'd be a little surprised if that takes some big 
some big turn. Yeah, right? a lot of people are, are, you know, if you look at um, some of these um, private investments, they pay a good, you know, interest or dividend, and people are attracted to that. But there's a lot of downsides to that. So you got to be very careful when For you're sure. investing in these type of um, securities. Another one here on the list, Steve, is inflation. Um, you know, market prices continue to reflect a, a low risk and interest rates are really going to increase enough to have any kind of recession, um, you know, potential in the near future. But, you know, global demand may finally start to exceed capacity for the world economy in 2018 as as the output gap turns from negative to positive. And the shift from excess supply to some of the excess demand, it may lead to a rise in inflation, um, just as it did the last time the gap turned positive in 2004. So, again, these are kind of macro conversations. But, um, you know, d- demand is high and supply is becoming less and less. So inflation, you know, may start to tick up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, very few really expect a big uptuck, it uptick in inflation this year. You know, the economist and market consensus is inflation remain about the same in 2018 as it was in 2017. Um, in fact, um, to use an example in the U.S., as an example, of the 74 economists tracked by Bloomberg, only five even expect a half percent increase in inflation in 2018. But keep in mind, inflation usually moves by by more than a percentage point a year and has moved by at least a half percentage point in 15 of the last 20 years. Hmm. I thought that's an interesting fact. So inflation really is pretty volatile and usually does move by more than a half percent. So given a very high degree of confidence, you know, among participants and economists that there there is no change, inflation has the potential, though, to surprise us in 2018, given that that kind of uh, expectation. And so while some expect inflation, uh, you know, to, to move up a lot to seem unlikely, um, you know, the stock market could see, you could be surprised by that. I remember this very clearly back from 1994. I mean, when they had a big surprise about inflation and the Fed raised interest rates surprisingly by a half point mm-hmm. without announcing it, um, you know, which uh, Marcus didn't like. really surprised the market. We had an immediate <clears throat> correction in the stock market. In fact, I lost like 500 bucks in an energy stock called Arrakis Energy back then <laughs> that I was investing in. And uh, I learned a very painful lesson that, you know, you got to diversify. You can't put it all in one stock because I had my stop loss set and immediately mm-hmm. hit that stop Gone, loss. And yeah. I was like, it was a panic for me. <laughs> and, the, and it was all because in February of 20 of, of 94, the Fed raised interest rates by a half percent yeah, without, without telling any, anybody. Any direction, yeah. So I doubt they would do that again, but it's a possibility. Yeah, you never know. So um, that's that's an interesting one. The final one, Steve, is is natural disasters. Uh, kind of surprising that this, um, you know, hit the list of potential risks because they're, they're, they're natural disasters every year. I mean, 2017, there was a, a tremendous amount of, um, you know, destruction. You look at the raging fi- fires in California, we had the strongest ever Atlantic hurricane that, um, you know, hit uh, Ireland, followed the succession of hurricanes and typhoons slamming into the U.S. and the Asian shores. Uh, Mexico had a devastating earthquake. There were a lot of landslides. Um, so 2017 ranked as the most costly year ever for natural disasters. 
But it's interesting when when the disasters typically um, provide you know economic growth, right? Because you could right. go in there and rebuild and. I can't. <clears throat> I can't remember one single natural disaster that ever caused the stock market to go down. Can you? There is one. The the tsunami over in Japan when it hit the nuclear. Yeah, uh, it was a couple of years ago. The markets did drop um, five to seven percent, but it recovered very, very, very quickly. Yeah, okay. That okay. was the only one. I didn't even remember. I, it must have been very quick. It was. I don't remember that at all. It was very, very quick. But it, it was devastating. I mean, it was because of the nuclear fallout from that reactor. That's right. That probably they didn't understand what the impact was. Right. Um, so the right. markets was did a little scary. Drop a little. Bit, but it recovered very quickly. But they're saying that if we continue to have these waves of disasters, that um, the rebuilding, you know, the cost of rebuilding could certainly outweigh the boost uh, to growth. I'm not sure I, I agree with that. Um, but it is something that you have to to, to look at. I guess it, some of it could be regional as well. But um, right. we don't know where the next um, market hiccup is going to come from. They're always different, typically, and you can't project them. So, again, the best um, solution is be diversified, have a plan. When the markets do drop, um, maybe an opportunity to buy. Absolutely, yeah. It is unpredictable, but there could always be some surprise things. And, you know, we do get corrections. Yep. Every couple of years on average, at least. And uh, so we're due for one of those and, you know, it, it could happen. But again, they, they recover eventually. They do quickly. They, they typically, typically pretty quickly. That's right. That's right. So good topic. And that leads us up to our next one. And that is the question of the week. Yeah. So this question we're getting, gosh, it seems like uh, weekly pretty much is um, how do I know if I can retire this year? And yeah. and so it really boils down to sitting down and taking an inventory of all your assets and liabilities and um, seeing if you have enough assets to produce income. So um, met with a client this morning. They have a pension, um, about 35000 a year, which is fantastic. Social Security, another twenty five. So that's sixty as a base. Yeah. And then they great. have half a million dollars in investments that they can start taking income off of. So Perfect. And as long as that number matches up your budget, then you have a green light to retire. You're good. Yep. That's right. But you need a plan. That's the key. <clears throat> you do need a plan. you got to have a plan. So uh, that's how you know if you can retire this year. Run some numbers. Have a retirement plan. Have a real retirement plan, not just some back-of-the-envelope numbers. You know, it's too important. There are not many do-overs for retirement. So you want to make sure you have a real plan and you know where your income is going to come from. You know you have a plan for inflation, you know, down the road. What's it going to look like 10, 20 years down the road in retirement? So you got to be able to do more than just know that you you can make your numbers this year when you retire. Right. So good question of the week. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is how to jumpstart your retirement savings in the new year. Yeah, this is an article out of U.S. News, um, very recent article. And, you know, John, it doesn't matter whether you're 20 or 60. You need to be saving hard for retirement unless you happen to be an heiress to maybe a family fortune. <laughs> you know, maybe Paris Hilton, yeah. Teresa Hines. Yeah. You know, I used to have a good friend. I have a good friend, and his father used to say very often, uh, yeah, tongue of cheek that, you know, son, you can marry more money in five minutes than you can make in a lifetime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he was right. You know, if you marry somebody that inherits a family fortune, you're in great shape. And maybe you don't need to worry about retirement in that case. But, you know, uh, if you're like the most of us here, you know, you need to be saving hard for retirement. And if saving for retirement is something that's been on the back burner for you, make 2018 the year that you focus on preparing for your future. And I know it's easy to get stuck in the 3% rut where you're putting in that basic deferral amount into your 401k or your simple IRA to get your match. 
But, you know, that doesn't come even close to getting it done in today's retirement world where you have no pension, perhaps, if you're younger and, you know, you have higher medical costs in retirement. So, you know, don't feel bad about being behind. It's great that you're now maybe thinking about it and maybe just getting started. But then you need to take it to the next level. You need to take the next step, start ratcheting it up. And it's better late than never. So, you know, you got to get it done now. You got to get started. So if you're starting late, you need to figure out how to boost your account balance as quickly as possible. So here are 12 things you can do to help kickstart your retirement savings in the new year. Yeah, so the first one here, Steve, on the list is is set goals to find motivation. And you really have to start with the non-sexy stuff. You you need to figure out why and when um, you want to retire and how much money it's going to take to pay for it, kind of what we just talked about a little bit. Exactly. So define what your goals are and think in terms of one, three years, five years, and then also your retirement goals if you're beyond five years. Then expound on those goals. Visualize what really excites you. Like taking a once in a lifetime, you know, beautiful vacation or spending time with family. Um, the, the client that I just met with, they just went to um, to Australia for a month. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, you know, they they planned and they prepared and so forth, and it fit their budget. So those goals, those type of goals, specific, can give you motivation to stay on track with your savings. Yeah, if you can visualize the future <clears throat> and how great that'll be once you reach your goal, I think that's very motivating. So I like that. Next one here is get an accountability partner. You know, setting goals can get you motivated to save, but having an accountability partner is is how you stick with the plan when your enthusiasm starts to wane. Um, so if you're, it's a lot easier to be successful if you have a partner, and that partner could be a spouse, a friend, a financial advisor, or a life coach. So get an accountability partner. That's the next one. And then the next one here is know how much you need to save each month. You know, many people save for retirement by <clears throat> simply saving whatever they can. But take a more precise approach and calculate the savings rate that you need to reach your goal. Break it down into monthly or even weekly numbers so that it's in bite-sized pieces and it doesn't seem like such a daunting task. Know how much you need to put away each month, and that gives you an actionable goal that can make you more likely to stay on track. So break it down into, into bite-sized pieces. You know, and one way to do that, Steve, is creating a budget. Absolutely. When we talk about this, this is so key. And once you know how much you should be saving and you determine if and how, <clears throat> how you're going to afford that amount, you got to draw up a budget, figure out how the retirement savings fits into that big picture. And sometimes budgets look good on paper, but they don't work in real life. So if you're not only it's not only about doing a budget, but you got to have a way to track it. And sometimes, you know, there's different softwares that may be um, impactful and, and easy to use. So, you know, if you're tracking it pretty much daily on these softwares, you're able to see where you're overspending and make changes pretty quickly. But it really does start with a budget. We like to call it a spending plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next one here is find strategies to stick to your budget, like making your money a little more unaccessible. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you can do tracking software and it can help identify the leaks in the budget, but it's up to you to figure out how to plug those leaks. So consider lowering the limits maybe on your credit cards if you're prone to overspend there. But another strategy is to keep extra cash or savings in maybe a brokerage account that can't be accessed so conveniently. Um, you don't want to have an account where you can easily move money back and forth, have easy access to it. So you have to make it a little bit harder so that's a big key is is make it a little inconvenient to get your money out. 
Put it's that, good. Put that credit card in a block of ice. There you go. There you go. Next one here is take advantage of matching money. Now, this is kind of obvious, and we talk about this a lot, but when it comes time to actually putting money in a retirement account, you got to start by depositing money where it'll grow the fastest. For instance, many employers will match your 401k contributions up to a certain percentage. So you have to get that match. That's the free money we talk about, right? You can't, that you got to start there first. Get your free money. If it's a 50% match, that's a 50% return in the first year. Mm -hmm. You got to take advantage of that. And some firms will also match money deposited in an HSA account, a health savings account. And, you know, while an HSA is intended to pay for health care expenses during your working years, the money can be drawn penalty-free uh, for any reason after age 65. Now, you still have to pay ordinary income taxes after age 65, but you don't have a penalty any longer. And uh, you can use it for medical expenses, and it's totally tax-free. And you can accumulate those expenses forever to offset your future withdrawals. So it's a great plan. You have to take care, take advantage of an HSA account um, as one of your tools for retirement. Yeah, another one here on the list, Steve, which is really cool, is redirecting bonuses, raises, and, and tax refunds. This is kind of extra money, if you will. So if you don't budget those, and when those come in, you can um, you know use those to to pay yourself first and and uh, live off of just your normal salary. So view the bonuses, raises, and, and tax refunds as extra and put them towards a priority. And in this case, we're talking about retirement. Absolutely. That's a good one. And then shop around to reduce your rates. You know, a tight budget can mean little money for retirement savings, um, but you can create some breathing room in your financial situation by shopping for lower rates on services and products. So you got to reshop things, reprice things occasionally, right? I mean, so those, if you haven't shopped for insurance, mortgage rates recently, um, you might be able to significantly lower those expenses. You know, maybe drop the landline, uh, the, the cable, maybe even cut the cable vision, um, use the Internet for TV, but shop around and get creative at ways to trim your budget. And that leads us to the next one. And that is trimming spending to save more. Cutting expenses is the big way to find money to kickstart your retirement savings this year. So look for all the silly stuff that you do. You know, people pay for Netflix that they never watch, or they might buy coffee at a coffee shop when it would be just as easy to use your Keurig and, you mm. know, brew coffee at home. Um, but, you know, what can be cut back that isn't going to affect your lifestyle is what you need to be asking yourself. So maybe you drop the gym, member, gym membership. If you don't use it, start walking instead. Maybe even drop the golf club membership, you know? Steve. Heaven forbid. I can't know. believe you even said that. I know. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there are a lot of great public courses out there. There are. In this area. I mean, That's right. Like you can go to River Club and places yeah. like that. Nice mm -hmm. places yeah. and play. So, uh, anyway, so you got to trim the spending. That was that one. Next one here is say no to the kids. No. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a really hard one for a lot of people, John. I mean, you know, adult children... Um, burdened by student loans or maybe getting in credit card debt, they often come looking for mom and dad for help. And many times, you know, those who aren't planning for retirement, who are planning for retirement, they over-prioritize helping their kids as opposed to their own retirement. And it's natural to want to help your children who are facing some kind of financial difficulty, but that assistance shouldn't come at the expense of your retirement. Sometimes... You have, you're simply enabling them. So 
you know, if you can't afford it, then I don't know, blame us, blame your financial planner, right. blame the money doctors you know, for not allowing you to help your children. <laughs> tell us your financial, tell them your financial planner said, no, the money doctors said you can't do it. Say no. There you go. We'll take the fall for That's that one. Right. We'll take the heat on that one. Um, another one here on the list is bringing extra money. I mean, Steve, you know, a uh, second job, temporary, you know, part-time side gig, whatever, um, can help your budget and retirement savings. So, um, you know, if, even if it's a hundred bucks a week or a month, that's that's a little bit extra to help you get towards your goals. So try to find a way to ex- to find extra money, maybe sell something as well. Absolutely. And the last one here is start today. You know, there are two ways to make money when it comes to investing. A little money and a lot of time makes a lot of money. That's a good one. And, uh, you know, through the power of compounding returns or a lot of money and a little time makes a lot of money. But most people have to start with the first one, right? You Unless you're wealthy. So... You know, you need to get started today to give your time, time a chance to to make your money yep. into a lot. Yeah. Um, so get time on your side. Don't wait another minute. Shift your retirement savings into high gear today and get on track for your golden years. So okay, and that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah, we've been talking about the tax changes, Steve, quite a bit. And, you know, if you haven't spent some time with your CPA or even your financial advisor and you have have some questions about your situation, you probably ought to reach out to them. I mean, these changes, they may change how you handle your finances. Um, You know, the standard deduction, I think, is going to impact retirees quite a bit um, because there's such a large standard deduction, $24,000 for a married filing jointly. So you're you're, if you're giving 6000 to a church, for instance, that's right. not going to help you anymore. So right. if you're over 70 and a half and you have an RMD, um, you may be able to donate that and you'll get the tax benefit because it's going to lower your income. So exactly. there's some different right. strategies out there that you need to be thinking about. Um, so the prescription is, is to talk with your CPA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take a look at taxes this year. Big changes. There's no exemptions. You know, less itemized deductions. Um, maybe you want to max out the twelve percent bracket. I mean, you can make almost a hundred thousand dollars for a couple now, mm-hmm. and max out the the twelve percent bracket. That's a pretty good deal. That's a great I mean, deal. Have we ever thought that we would you'd be able to make a hundred grand yeah. and your maximum rate was twelve percent? Yeah, that? that's a good. It's a good deal. So you might think about maxing that out. You know, before you have to start taking RMDs, and maybe at some point in the future, your your income is going to be higher. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, there's a lot of strategies to think about. So like you said, talk to your CPA, talk to your accountant, and take a look at your tax situation to see if there are any opportunities for minimizing your taxes for the future. Okay, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call with your young associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 